Hi everyone and welcome to episode one of our podcast, Early Years Millennials. Um, Amy and I have created this podcast because we are obsessed with everything early years and wanted to create a space to discuss current issues, topics, articles, books and basically everything in between. So in this episode, we're going to do a bumper recommendation special, which is basically us sharing with each other and you some of our favourite early years reads, accounts and more, and hopefully signposting you to a whole load of good content. So to start us off, I thought I would introduce myself. My name is Laura England. I'm a nursery manager and qualified early years teacher with an MA in education, obviously specialising in early years. I'm more commonly known as Little Miss Early Years Online, where I share my passion for open-ended play, loose parts, and a bit of everything, really. So I'll hand you over to my co-host, Amy, so she can introduce herself. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Amy Pear. I am also a nursery manager. Um, I am currently studying for my degree um, to become a teacher, which will also specialise in early years. Um, on Instagram, you, um, I'm early as Amy. And you'll, if you already follow me, you'll know that it's mostly for book recommendations and signposting for quite a lot of CPD because that's that seems to be my thing at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, because Amy, you are literally like the queen of CPD and books. <laughs> the collection is out of control. It's, it's getting out of control now. I have to hide them from my other half. <laughs> hide the Amazon parcels. Oh yes, all the time. Um, so anyway, we thought we'd kick this episode off by sharing an article we have been discussing from Dr. Stella Louise and Hannah Betteridge. Yes. We'll obviously link um, everything we discuss in the show notes below. Um, but the article is entitled Unconscious Bias in the Observation, Assessment and Planning Process. So just to give you a quick overview, it's basically about how we need to keep our unconscious bias in check, basically. So it's not necessarily things that we are consciously biased about, but it's those times that we are biased without realizing we are biased. So mm. in this, this article was like really eye opening for me because it showed me so many times and ways that I am biased in the, the very small ways and the ways that I would never would have noticed my bias. Yeah. But I could see that how these small biases could add up and be very detrimental to children. Am I sounding really robotic when I'm talking? No, it's fine. Okay. So <laughs> something that this article really made me notice was my bias towards children based on the relationship I have, their, have with their parents. So, yeah. for example, I don't know if it's the same for you, Amy, but I'm like more eager to please those parents that take the time to like chat to me at the end of the day. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And then what then happens is I probably only in a very small way so I wouldn't say that like it would be obvious to you like if me and you were working together you wouldn't it wouldn't be obvious to you that I was being biased towards that child yeah. but I feel like I've taken more of the things that they say and do because I know at the end of the day the parent's going to want to like have a really long chat about it yeah Whereas, like, when you get those parents that aren't interested, and I mean, I'm sure they are interested, and I think this is what it's really shown me about myself is those parents that are busy and rushing around and probably got somewhere to be are the parents that haven't got the time to chat. Um, and then 
me having that bias towards the children whose parents do have time to have a chat I can see how detrimental that would be for those children whose parents are busy because I'm not putting as much effort into them children yeah and I think that's something that you wouldn't necessarily think about when you think of being biased would you that would no you think of all the other elements of it don't you like what you've got out in the setting and, you know, how you treat the children and this and the other, that wouldn't be something I don't think that people would consider. No, and that's what I think is so interesting about the article mm. because you actually start to just notice these really, like they're really small and they're not obvious. And like I say, you wouldn't notice that I'm doing that or I wouldn't notice that you're doing that, but they are little things. And I was thinking about this as well as a key worker. Yeah. So, when you're a key worker, you just seem to have, like, we're interested in all the children, but as a key worker, you're responsible for, you know, certain children's learning and development and yep. doing their observations. So you have, like, a vested, more of a vested interest in those children. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about how, say we've got, like, water play out and some of the children are playing in the water play and I go over and start interacting and engaging. I don't leave any of the children out, but I probably do make more of an effort towards my key children do you do you know what I mean yeah because you're thinking what you're going to get out of it what observation can can I get out of it sort of what next steps can I do for them this that and the other whereas the others it not that it's not your priority but that's not in the forefront of your mind is it all the time yeah exactly so even though obviously you would still chat to the other children and you would extend their learning you're just not taking it in the same and thought that was really interesting because the title is obviously unconscious bias in the planning and assessment process and in some ways um that's just showing how you can you know be biased towards this wasn't necessarily spoken about in the article, but you're more biased towards the ones that you've got a vested interest in getting their learning and development in the right place, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and do you think that would link back into the way you speak with parents? The way we speak to our key children's parents in relation to how we may speak to other parents when we're feeding back at the end of the day? Yeah, definitely, because again, it's that thing where I'll probably make more effort to speak to my key children's yeah. parents yeah um it was just quite eye-opening really and there was other things um in the article so um one of the case studies was about how there was a group of white children well there was a group of children reading on the carpet and some of the white children were shouting out some answers and this was actively encouraged by the teacher but then when a black boy shouted out an answer he was told that he should put his hand up if he wants to talk. Now, obviously, you know, that that is showing to me quite an obvious bias. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about behaviour in that way, in that I I was thinking about how I have children who, you know, they're, for want of a better term, they're just always well behaved. And then you've got others that are always more difficult, yeah. more, they behave more negatively. And when, like, the children who are well behaved or let's say putting sand in the water tray I'll be there like praising them thinking oh look at all the learning taking place all the schematic behavior you know the loose parts play but then if I see a child doing that who shows a lot of negative behaviors I might say to them stop doing that you shouldn't be doing that because I just automatically think that they're not playing properly does that make sense yeah because you've already got that idea in your head of how you think they're going to play with it or what they might do so 
you sort of react in that way to start with don't you whereas like you say you wouldn't with the other children would you just look out look at the positives from it almost yeah exactly and I think that we we're all really we we do do that we don't notice that bias but now it's been pointed out in this article like I really do encourage everyone to go and read it because I just couldn't couldn't believe how many things I saw in myself as somebody who thinks I'm not biased I just treat every child the same but I, I don't and even if that isn't in you know going back to the example of my key children I'm not necessarily being horrible to the other children or ignoring the other children mm. but they must notice that I'm making slightly more effort with my key children than I am with them, which then could lead to them disengaging in something that they're really engaged in. Yeah, because they're very perceptive, aren't they? And then you find that they go home and speak to their parents and they'll speak more about certain people, certain teachers or, you know, practitioners than others. And then that reflects, I think, comes back to how the parents might think about us as well sometimes. Yeah, and then maybe why the parents don't stop and have a big long discussion yeah. with with me because their child isn't going home and telling them anything about yeah. me. Yeah, it is really interesting. And another thing that came up um, from the reading of that particular article for me was about children who actively seek me out. So you've probably got this. You always have certain children who, the minute you yeah. walk in, they come to you. Yeah. And I might make like a really big deal of asking them what they've been doing, how's your weekend been, mm-hmm. and then not doing that with maybe even just children that can't communicate very well like not giving them that time and space because they haven't actively seeked me out so I've been noting that a lot and I've been actively now seeking out those children that don't you know communicate with me what they've been up to at the weekend or tell me about the family and things like that yeah because you wouldn't because you think that you would go and talk to the other children about what they've been doing but because the other ones greet you straight away you deal with that as you walk in the door and then you may go off and do something else and then not get back to do it with the other children if you know what I mean yeah exactly um and that definitely happens in my setting I it's it's just really opened my eyes I know I keep saying that but (laughs) I just can't believe how many of the things in the articles I was like I do that and it's not to a big degree and it's not like anyone would notice and say oh Laura's really biased towards that child (laughs) would say that but it's just like it's blown my mind so I think that everybody should go and read it I don't know if you've got any other thoughts Amy sorry I'm dominating the conversation no I I agree with what you said because I think like we said a minute ago when you think of being biased you think you don't you don't think of the small nitty gritty things do you like the day-to-day small like the interactions like you said about greeting children um yeah that that yeah I think I think we've covered quite a bit but I definitely like you said I definitely think people should read it because it makes yeah, you think because there's a lot more in there than what we've discussed yes um but I think it's like one of those things that you need to go and read and I think everyone will take slightly different things from it based on like where you work and who you are and what relationships you've got because everyone's cohort of children is different isn't it so their bias is different to ours yeah exactly like my setting is all white yeah so there's not going to be issues of racial bias because every single child is white but the but 
so the example that I gave from the article about the black boy shouting out, that wouldn't necessarily happen in my setting um, as it stands. But mm. then it just shows you all the other ways you can be unconsciously biased, which I just didn't know you could be. Yeah. It's because it's it's so broad, isn't it, as well? It's, yeah. It really is. And then... Um, she go um both Stella and uh, Hannah go into detail about the different types of unconscious bias. So it yeah. is really interesting and it is worth a read. Definitely. Um but moving on from that, we yeah. are going to oh, I forgot to say um that we're going to put a post on our Instagram yeah. account so that if people want to join the conversation about this particular article they can go over there and do that it'd be great to hear other people's thoughts on it as well wouldn't it oh it definitely would and if we get some really good comments and thoughts then we can discuss them in next week's episode hopefully yeah, that'd be good um so yeah come and join definitely come and join the conversation but um anyway we're going to move on to some of our recommendations so I feel like I've got a lot of recommendations and as Amy is the queen of CPD and social media and <laughs> reading she's gonna have a lot too um so I'm gonna try not to ramble because this is our first episode we're trying to just make it like short and sweet and give you a bit of an introduction to who we are and what we're about so I have uh, my number one recommendation, and I know that Amy will agree, is a person I found on Instagram at the end of last year, and I feel like I am absolutely obsessed with her, and slightly in a stalkerish way, which I need to, like, rein in a bit. Um, I think that is. Uh, yeah that is Liz Pemberton and Liz is a racism and anti-racist trainer and consultant mm-hmm. um just to give you a bit of background she was previously a manager of a nursery and she was a secondary school teacher as well so she's got loads of experience in the field but she's known as the black nursery manager on social media so go and check her out but what it is with Liz for me and I know that Amy's just going to agree with everything I say is (laughs) it's not just about the fact that she's you know her message is so so important it's it's important right now it's it's always going to be an important message but there's something about her personality that is just like infectious yeah She's like, for me, and she just like epitomizes everything for me that a strong woman in the early years like looks like. She's just like unapologetic with a voice. She just says that how it is. She speaks with passion and freedom. And she's just like, I'm here, I'm black. I've got something to say in the early years and I'm just going to say it and you're going to listen. And I feel like she's given me the confidence and inspiration. She doesn't know this, but like her the way she is and her being and her presence is what gave me the idea really to do the EY Millennials podcast because I want to be like no you don't need to be a certain age or a certain you know you don't need to be a doctor to be able to talk about early years like everybody is welcome to this discussion yeah I yeah I, I like you said that I would agree with what you said but I love how like you said how confident she is and how not all early years practitioners or teachers are the same because sometimes we're all tarred with the same brush and you know we've all got our own personalities and we all look different and I think she just gives you the confidence to just be you and do you you know yeah and how she just 
she'll just like write when she writes captions and stuff she'll use slang or she'll write the words how she'll say them um, like in her accent or whatever and it's just a breath of fresh air like it really is because it's like we don't have to be you know her subject is a serious subject it's really important and she brings you know the knowledge with the personality um but it just shows really that you don't need to be a certain person you don't need to be white male Mm middle-aged to talk about the early years and I just I just really I am getting or rather like I really really think she's just such a down-to-earth like amazing person in the early years sector I think it's was it was I think it was you that wrote on Instagram before that post you shared about um it's got the pictures and then it says that you don't have to be this to work in early years do you remember oh, yeah you? and I think she really sums all that up doesn't she everything that she yeah, does like it- I think the post, what the post was saying is, you know, you can be in, you can be really enthusiastic about early years. You can have a degree in early years. You can, you can be all of that, but you can also watch crap TV at the weekend yes. and go out partying if you want. I feel yeah. like she brings that to it, you know, like she, she is her. And like you said, she is a really serious subject, but the way she talks about it, she just gets you in, you know, and I think that comes through your personality, doesn't it? And then that made me think of that um, post that you put on. Yeah, and then what I really liked is when she goes live, when she does some of her lives on Instagram, she was like asking everyone, what have you been watching on Netflix? Yeah. I thought, this is just a normal person. She's not trying to be like somebody she isn't. She's not trying to act like, you know, Missy's super professional. Yeah. Because we can be we can be both things and that's she just I think she's just what's needed right now so everybody needs to go and check her out we're going to link everything about her in the show notes definitely do you have a recommendation well I've got two and I think one of them is kind of a joint one that we have spoke about before which would be Kerry um EYFS for me who she is just as mad about CPD as I am um and she's also very big on send and I think she she's a little bit similar to Liz as well in the way that she speaks and the way that she um posts things online and I find her very is easy to listen to the right word I don't know she's very easy to listen to you know she's she's quite I find her quite similar to Liz because she she's herself you know and I think that's what we need at the minute isn't it we need people that are themselves and they're authentic and you know it gives you the confidence to be you and post you online as well and not just the early years side of you know like the professional side of you yeah and it really helps you to connect more with people she shares a lot about having ADHD as an adult Um, and I find that really I find that really inspirational of Mm. her to do that because it's not an easy thing to do um so yeah I think I agree she's like she's the other she's she is the same in the same way that Liz is a hero authentic self they're completely different personalities in a way like when you listen to them but um they're both very authentic and I think that's what the early years needs um yeah definitely because um and we want you're gonna say what I'm gonna say (laughs) 
you go you go about her launch pad because I know you've yes. got downloaded one haven't you and I've got I've downloaded it and I've been using the paper copy to log all my CPD so for anyone that doesn't know you can on Kerry's page EYFS for me we'll obviously link it all um if you go on her link tree you can get a download to her CPD launch pad and it's it's amazing isn't it Laura like yeah um, like I always say I don't know how Kerry gives so much stuff for free I know it's such good quality yep like I've printed it all off and created a CPD board with all of Kerry's launch pad so that all the girls can track their CPD. The girls at work should say women probably, but we just call it to the girls. <laughs> I um, do as well. <laughs> I always say the girls. Yeah. Um, I'm not on about the children doing CPD. <laughs> um, but yeah, I downloaded that and created a CPD board and we've already been using it. And what I love about it is, what the whole point of the launch pad, I think, mm-hmm. um, is that Kerry's saying, you know, you do so much CPD. Listening to this podcast is CPD. You know, yeah. um, reading a short blog post is CPD. Even reading like a really small Instagram grid post that's got yeah. information on. So the whole point of the launch pad really is to be able to note down all these very small bits of CPD to show actually I am doing quite a lot of, you know, professional development in my own time, even if it's not face-to-face training. Because I think people forget that as well, don't they? I know I haven't been on Instagram that long, but when I first came on, I was amazed at all the free CPD you get. And it doesn't have to be going to a course, you know, because your workplace says you have to. You can pick up so much online. And like you said, just like a little blog post or, you know, just reading a bit out of a book or anything. And it's amazing what you accumulate when you note it all down without realising. Yeah, and it's just um, Instagram. I'm obviously... I'm more I used to be more Facebook focused so Mm -hmm. Facebook was how I started Little Miss Early Years but Facebook hasn't got that same um sort of connection I don't feel as Instagram has Instagram for me is like where the real like CPD bits are and where everybody's at at the moment so I'm really enjoying getting into Instagram and it's amazing the people you can talk to as well the amount of connections I've made on Instagram, you know, is amazing. And it's so helpful at work, you know, because of all the ideas floating around and all the people you can talk to and get advice from that you don't, I don't think you get that anywhere else. No, definitely not, no. So that's one reason that I really do love the launch pad because I do feel like Kerry's hit the nail on the head with how you get your CPD now, sort of, especially in COVID times as well. Yeah, I think as well, the way it's, if, if people download it, they'll see what we mean. But even the way it's structured is exactly how I like it to be structured. Like it, yeah, it's really it's well laid out. Clear. And it's not just the launch pad. Kerry's got loads of other stuff on there that's really worthwhile looking at. I've just downloaded her pre-supervision forms for ready for me to do my supervisions and okay. just saves me so much time when things like that are available and from someone you trust because I feel like Kerry's a trusted source yeah you know she's everything she puts out there oh and we must mention Mm. Kerry's doing a 10-day CPD challenge this month isn't she yeah and it's free (laughs) and it's free (laughs) and it's really good 
Yeah, I haven't started it yet because I've had a manic couple of days, but I'm looking forward to it because I did the one in lockdown. She did 30 days then. And that well, was I missed that because I wasn't on Instagram. Oh, so um, I mean, you can still get it and look at it, but it feels it doesn't feel the same doing it sort of on your own. Whereas I had got the first one of this 10 day one the other day and yeah. I can tell you now it was really good. I was actually shocked that it was free. That's like we said though, how does she give all this away for free? And it's and it's so good. And she's got I she's got um a webinar coming out, a webinar series coming out soon. So I think that'd be well worth booking on. Is that I the building block well, sorry, is that the building blocks of behaviour? Yes. Yeah, I'm booked on to that one. Well, I really want to do it, but it's on a Saturday morning and I don't think I can because I've got the twins, unfortunately. Um, but I'm going to look out for it if she does it again, sort of in the week. But I feel like everybody should go onto that because her free stuff's amazing. So I don't know what her paid stuff's like. Even better, I imagine. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on from Kerry, um, mm. another person who I found through Instagram is Jen Foster. She's on Instagram as Good Morning Miss Foster. I know that you know her as well. Yeah. Well, what I love about her is she's not actually early years. No. And she even says that she doesn't really have much knowledge in early years. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that she shares is really like compatible with early years. So yeah. what the thing I wanted to share specifically was not her account, even though that's amazing, but it was an article she did for Tess magazine. Mm. So um she wrote a piece for Tess entitled Five Behaviour Terms We Need to Leave in the Past. Yeah. And it's all about how we like perceive behaviour through the terminology that we use. So I was just going to read a short little in the intro out. So it says, what's in a name? Actually, quite a lot. A name can influence how we think, feel and respond to a situation. Despite this, education is flooded with outdated and loaded terminology. Particularly when we are looking at behaviour, there are many ghosts of pedagogy's past which can have detrimental effects in our classroom, but a vocabulary spring clean can help to change our mindsets as well as update our toolkits. And then she goes on to give you five terms and how she has changed the wording. So the one, I'm not going to obviously read them all out because I'll just be reading the whole article. <laughs> but um, my favourite term is when she changes attention seeking to connection seeking. Because yeah. isn't that just so powerful? Very. So like, instead of seeing like the child's outbursts as like attention seeking, we should see them as craving connection. It just changes your mindset, doesn't it? When you flip it to think of it like that. Yeah, like, it's so obvious, but it's not at the same yeah. time. Like, when she says it so simply like that, you're like, oh, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Just like, uh, well, then you're like, how, yeah, like you said, how could I not? It's so obvious, isn't it? But then also what I like about them is I feel like there's such better terms to use with parents as well. Yes. You know, you don't want to go to a parent and say your child's an attention seeker. <laughs> I just feel like... It's so much nicer if somebody said, I think they seek connection. And what I also like about, like, when I think about attention seeking, right, I think about a child basically just being silly, 
you know, showing some sort of negative behaviour yeah. for sort of no other reason other than they want your attention. And yeah. all, children can't always have your attention all the time. Yeah. But when I think of connection seeking, I think, right, they're trying to connect with me or they're trying to connect with the learning or they're trying to connect with the other, you know, their friends. And maybe they're struggling to connect and that's probably down to some sort of, you know development issue or something like that that I can then focus on that rather than focusing on the fact that they want attention yeah because like yeah they want they want something not necessarily the attention but they only know how to get it in that way because that's how they normally get a response yeah exactly just thought it was so so powerful and it's really really short and again keep saying this but we'll link it in the show notes but go and give it a read because there's other ones that she's there's other terms that she's changed and they're all really good did you know as well I don't know how far you've looked on her website but um, I think it was lockdown or just before she did a load of um, magazines and they were all free and um, (sighs) then had all like loads of articles and it was written by loads of other people on Instagram and they were really really good as well they all had a different theme yeah I downloaded the was it a quality one of them yes I think that that was the last one yeah no they were really good I need to look Mm. at the other ones there was quite a few and they all had a different topic and then they're like I think what's happened is sorry Amy keep interrupting you what's happened is i came to instagram like literally two months ago not even that long ago so i think i've missed loads of amazing stuff so you're trying to catch up on it all yeah it's too much though and i can't compete with you (laughs) my brain struggles to keep up some days believe me your brain struggles to keep up with yourself yeah most days (laughs) most days right you got another recommendation I got a book recommendation. Okay. So um, I don't know if anyone's read it. It's 365 Days of Play by Alistair Bryce Clegg. Have you read it? No, I haven't, but I do want to. But I want you to tell me all about it first and if it's any good, which I'm sure it is. (laughs) So it's quite a big book. um, But when you go into it, it's broken down into months of the year. So it starts in January. It goes all the way through the year. And it is just filled with amazingness, if that's even a word. It's got quotes. It's got a few book recommendations in there. So it starts off. I've got the book in front of me. Sorry, I'm just flicking through. Um, About... um, obviously mainly about play but if you read through it there is just so many amazing quotes about play and then it's got lots about um of quotes from theorists and bits and bobs um I haven't read it all because it's more I think even though it's in months of the year it's more of a book that I just like to pick up and choose a page you know those sort of books you can just flick through yeah like is it really visually pleasing and instagrammable (laughs) Oh, it is. All the pages are so brightly coloured. Um, like it's got nice, big, bold writing. I would definitely recommend everyone. Obviously, I said I had Alistair Bryce Clegg's book. Oh, what was it called? You know the one he did, and it's like got a yellow cover. Oh, probably um, got it. I've got it, but I can't think what it's called. I'm looking at my books now, but I can't see it. It's oh. like an overview, isn't it, of like yeah. early, early years, yeah. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't think what it's called for the life of me now, though. Well, we'll link it down the bottom anyway. But what I was gonna say is, mm-hmm. I read that book when I first started in early years, um, yeah. or quite early on in early years, and. I really love his writing style because he's just so to the point. It's like, this is what this is. There's no like fancy, faffy, big words or things you've got to go with Google or get your dictionary out. I just think he's, what I really like about him is, and I think again, this comes back to this with the Why Millennials podcast is, it's about sort of breaking down that barrier between what the people you know, like how you've got people on Twitter and they're all like doctors and this yeah. is not offensive because we need those people and researchers and they bring a lot to the game. Yeah. But then sometimes they use these really big fancy words in discussions <laughs> and you think, I don't know what you're on about. And they make me feel really thick sometimes. And what I like about Alistair is he just puts it dead simple, like this is this. And you're like, oh yeah, that's, if somebody said it to me that way, I would have got it from the so I think, like you've just said, I um, completely agree. I, I think I like his books because they're so easy to read. You know, there's no big words that you have to go off and Google or you can just read it and think, yeah, this is the way I need it put on paper, if you know what I mean. Whereas some books I've read in the past are really wordy and I just yeah, can't get my I head have... around them. Yeah, and he's very practical and I like that because sometimes I feel like a lot of books... Um, aren't really aimed at the people that are actually on the floor or they are aimed at those people but they don't really understand what those people need or want yeah and you want the you want these these books are out there so people can learn from them but I like his books as well because they're not they're long enough whereas some books are massive and it's just too time consuming you know to sit and sift through it all whereas the information he gives is all the information you would want you know like you said yeah, someone just, that's on the floor working he's just direct isn't he to mm. the point like none of this fluff none of this going around the reeking to get to a point it's like this yeah. is the point and this is what you need to know and that's the kind of person I am so I like that yeah me too 100% and we don't have time do we I mean no. you know we're trying to find this balance where you know, early year settings are quite often are open like 7.30 till 6. And some people work those long days every day. And then they're not going to go home and read some big, massive textbook. It's just no. not going to happen. Nobody's got time for that these days, have they? And even if I had the time for that, I would rather watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you know. Or, or read my own personal book, like a book for pleasure. Yeah, I don't usually come home from work and pick up a textbook. <laughs> I try to avoid um, it. Anyway, right. <laughs> We're going down a rabbit hole here. I haven't got any more recommendations. I mean, I have, but I'm not going to ramble on and on because we're going to do this every week, so I've got loads of time to put them in. Have you got anything else pressing that you really want to tell us about? Um, What about our book club? oh yeah shameless plug that was wasn't it (laughs) well I'd forgotten about it so I'm not very good boot club host oh my gosh (laughs) so are you going to tell us what we're reading for January's boot club oh good question wrong that's why I asked you because I thought I can't remember the title properly okay so we are reading a book called 
Can you tell that I'm on my phone looking for the title? Yeah, looking for it. Okay. I've got it, I've got it. Oh, so it's called Cultural Diversity and Inclusion in Early Years by Penny Borkett, would you say? Borkett, yes. Borkett. Along them lines. So that is our January read, isn't it? Yeah, I've started it, have you? My book's still at Morrison's. <laughs> oh, shame on you. I need to go and collect it. I just haven't had time, but... I haven't read a lot of it, but it's, um, it, is, it is interesting, obviously. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm excited to get into it because I feel like I'm learning, you know, with my recommendation about Liz and learning yeah. a lot about racism and anti-racism, that's why yeah. I chose, well, I didn't choose it on my own, but that's why we chose the book, wasn't it? Because we thought it was an important yeah. topic to discuss. We've yeah. got quite a lot of people involved, haven't we? Yeah, there's quite a lot of people that have bought it and they've started to, I've had, I don't know if you have, but I've had a few messages about people saying that they're really enjoying it so far. Um, oh, that's good. So the plan is really that we're going to post once a week on the grid, sort of yeah. a quote from the book with a question and there's one yeah. up now that yeah. you can go and, you know, read. And even if you haven't read the book, you can actually join in because they're open questions. They're not, yeah. um, they're not like, um, a quiz <laughs> to check your brain. I'm going to test you at the end. <laughs> and then we're going to have some sort of conversation at the end of the month, aren't we? Yeah. Which is yet to be confirmed because we can. We found out you can only have 30 people in an Instagram chat, so we're going to work out another way. We're not really selling this very well. It sounds like the most disorganised boot club in the world. It really does. I was just thinking that as you were saying it. <laughs> I anyway, I'll, book, stop saying, you know. I'll stop talking. Now we've both stopped talking. <laughs> right, I think this is a good time to wrap up because I think we've both lost the plot. I think um, that's a good idea, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So thanks everyone for listening. Please do come and follow us on Instagram and we're hoping to have an episode out every week. Yeah. Um, thanks, Amy. Bye. Thanks, bye. Right.